Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife and this week I'm going to talk about a game that has stood the test of time and is widely regarded as one of not just the best games of the Super Nintendo, one of the best games of all time. That being Chrono Trigger. Now, I will preface this by saying all of its praise is earned. But personal preference being what it is, I would say I prefer games like Lufia 2, Final Fantasy uh, 6, Super Mario RPG kind of tied, and Legend of Zelda. But think of what that says. Think of what you have to compare to for those to be the, the titles that not only meet, but in most cases people say it beats it. Think of what level of skill it must take to create a game of that caliber. And say what you will about whether you like Chrono Trigger better than one of those. The people working on Chrono Trigger are the absolute best at the were the absolute best at the time and still mostly are um the game was developed in tandem with um it was br basically brainstormed for multiple years as part of a sort of secret of mana offshoot and secret of mana itself was kind of based on stuff that they were doing in final fantasy 4 so you had Hironobu Sakaguchi is kind of the main program director and overseer, you know, executive producer and ideas and stuff. You had Yuji Hori, who was working on Dragon Quest, and still, or I believe it's Yui Hori, but you had Hori working on it, and you had Akira Toriyama, most well-known for Dragon Ball and Dragon Quest, you know, artwork. So think of what that says. And then you consider, composer-wise, you had uh, uh, Yoshinori Mitsuda. This was kind of his defining work. I, I would still place Chrono Cross as probably my favorite, but he went on to do several uh, Xenoblade stuff, though at the time he was probably collaborating things. But Mitsuda was the main composer for this, but we uh Nuobu Umatsu would take over and do a lot of the stuff for the prehistoric age and the 2300 AD um most like the two favorite tracks i remember from the ones that i remember listing was the bike chase scene in 2300 and then the tyrant castle or the tyranno lair if any song other than a lot of the zeal stuff grabbed me in Chrono Trigger, it was the Tyranno Lair. Underrated to say the least. Um, because everybody talks about the Mega Song and everybody talks about a lot of the overworld themes or Frog's theme, and I'm sitting here going, Tyranno Castle's fucking awesome. It's a rock song. I love it. But now that I now that I know no, it was one of those like kind of dual um composer situations it kind of it kind of makes sense given what his style was and and to be fair i dealt with this with final fantasy 10 as well is because like who was actually doing what and what you know because you can hear 
differences in people and like what their styles are and what they're contributing but it's not until you read up on it that you're like okay absolutely for sure this person was credited with that part to do this thing and then it's okay that that makes sense so it was one of those situations so mitsuda had created almost all of the main soundtrack but you know got ill at the time and we must have stepped in and finished the job Not, not a bad guy to act as a second you know, Kazooie Matsu was still doing all the Final Fantasy stuff at the time. And because, um, again, this was made near the end of the Super Nintendo life cycle. So it was kind of the last one of the last games that Square was making, one of the last heftier ones. They still did stuff like Live Alive and the Saga games and some other things that they were doing until the release. They also did Super Mario RPG, but again, different people doing different parts of it. So you're competing against so many of Square's amazing work from that era. And then they were still trying to lead up and develop stuff for Final Fantasy VII. So it's like, okay, you still have so much that you're doing and developing. I I keep saying all this time, like the 1990 to 2001-ish decade is like the best run of quality that an rpg franchise is ever going to have as much as i like smt and persona even they can't say that and this is just this is just spitballing all of the games and yes my thoughts on secret of mana have kind of dulled because i played it again and it still has some issues i mean this game has issues too and i want to go over that because i don't want this to be just universal praise for the sake of universal praise the stuff that is here is some of the most unique and innovative things that an RPG was dealing with, but it's still, you know, some issues in the game that need to be expressed because I, I think people can forget sometimes that just because a game is an all-time classic doesn't mean that there's some issues. But, as I've said, there are minor, minor quibbles that only really come up when you replay them. If you've never played a Chrono Trigger game before, you or a Chrono game before, you'd probably be bowled over by a lot of the things. Or it might just seem super quaint because it's an old game. It's 28 years old, but I'll get into that. But a couple of the things that Chrono Trigger does that a lot of games don't do is the battle system is based on... combining with your party members but similar i would say to how fantasy star 4 did their combinations like you take a technique and then you build on it um i think fantasy star 4 was very i want to say clouded like it didn't tell you that that was what you were doing until you did the move you'd have to kind of figure it out in this game you'd have a tech You'd have your normal attack, and then you'd have techniques. Every character would have techniques, single attacks. And then as you're walking around the battlefield, another innovation, enemies and allies both walk around the field. Well, more that monsters walk around the battlefield, and your characters will fight and then kind of end in a spot most of the time like near them or fight near them so it's not like free movement it's free movement for the enemies which is kind of reminiscent of how yakuza like a dragon would do things um so you could chain attacks like a fire chain like a fire whirl and 
you would have a have a fire wave thing that would go in a line. You would have a cyclone attack from Chrono that would go in a in a small circle. So you'd have to kind of hope and pray that enemies would kind of go next to each other to each other. So you do those, or you would have magic attacks later in the game where f- fuck it, you could just hit everybody on the screen. But you know you'd still have your standard elemental weaknesses and strengths and whatever. Um. Another cool thing about the battles is you can run away from fights because they're on the screen. I think this was the first game to have enemies that would wander around the screen. Animated enemy sprites. Some would fall down a cliff. Some would, you know, throw rocks at you. Some of them would roll down a a castle slope and then try to hit you and engage in a battle. It's still a random encounter, but... It's active enough that you can kind of walk away and run around it and avoid it if you don't really want to. So you're still expected to do a majority of the fights, but because the battles are free-flowing to an extent where you have single attacks by characters, you have dual attacks. So if a certain character learns an ice spell and then another person learns a fire spell, you get like a big freaking amazing attack called an antipode or some other crazy stuff you get a heal beam which is you know a cure beam with a laser beam thing and you heal the entire party for more or you throw a giant rocket dudes or you run at the screen and just attack everything you know cool shit like that and then you have triple techs late in the game nearly every character sans one gets triple techs with characters and they do either a ton of damage or my favorite is called Lifeline, which is exactly what it says it does. It's basically like Life 2, Life 3 kind of thing where you avoid death, which is very beneficial. You know, it it, it issues damage for, you know, supporting you when you need it. Because if you assume that your characters can do damage on their own, you don't need a triple tech to do it. Because it still costs MP to use these things. So HP, MP are still a thing. Um, but again, the battles are some of the things that they worked on really well. It wasn't quite the full-on action experience that A Secret of Mana would do, but it also wasn't a full static screen like a Final Fantasy game. They were trying something completely different, and it's still something that people really resonate with because you're able to kind of tinker around with different people and different builds and combinations and see what kind of techniques that these people can do for the situation i have personal preferences of which character i like to you know because i like using ayla who just punches and claws people in their face and kicks them you know simple and effective and it works but some enemies are resistant to that and need magic or some enemies resist magic and you can only use physical or whatever some are like there's these enemies called rubbles that give you a shit ton of attack points but they lock all your skills so you have to attack them but they're basically cactuars and they can't be hit by anything except crits you know that sort of thing so they thought through a lot of these um and the battles, again, are kind of the standout feature of this game. There's two other things that I would say really hold Chrono Trigger up to a higher standard, which would be the time travel mechanic. This is the not, probably not the first game to do time travel. I'm sure time travel has been a thing in so many other games, but n- not to this extent for an RPG. And... It really is about going through weird gates and 
trying to figure out what's going on. So uh, uh, basically, your main character, Chrono, is going to a fair in ten in 1000 AD. Meets this girl who ends up being a princess because, of course, she is. She's the typical, I'm, you know, I'm not a princess or don't want to be a princess because it's a, you know, that whole trope. But she's at the fair and they have fun and you go and do the thing and then you go and you end up in 680. And then you end up coming back. So you save her and then you find other characters like this talking frog who, for whatever reason, would talk normally as a human in the cutscenes. But when you're getting back to Frog, he would talk as a uh, Arthurian knight with weird prose, like the Canterbury Tales. And that's more probably to do with just him trying to avoid being the person he used to be. But then we find out that he's involved with one of the main villains, and that's why he was cursed. But they go back into 1080 after that, and then they find, you know, weird stuff, like Chrono... Because what happens is Marley, Marley is, I believe it's called the Grandfather Paradox, where if you end up screwing up with the timeline, somebody later down the line cannot exist. So it's up to Chrono Luca, who is his friend, and Frog to basically save the current queen and make sure that happens. So little things, little subtle things like that. I don't think they overuse the time travel to an extent that it's like back to the future logic they they let you talk to people you know so you're allowed to do that sort of thing because every game has to do different time travel mechanics in different ways um you know even legend of the guy i just finished that and that has like one or two spots of time travel so it's kind of strange how different games and different properties deal with the time travel mechanic so the way this does it is things that you do in the past represent things you do in the future so you you have a you have a destroyed building in one era you go back to it earlier in the timeline and you have somebody fix it but you got to beat up some enemies stuff like that it's pretty basic but when it gets to the full plot line you're bouncing around enough and you're allowed to kind of work your way through different spots the game is nice enough to let you kind of figure out where to go and what to do and give you the freedom to say, hey, I know I'm stuck in this era for a while, but if I want to and I don't really feel like being here, I can go around and do other things. So if I want to go to 680, I can do that. If I want to go to 2300 AD, I can do that. Unless they purposely lock the gates behind you, which it'll do on occasion, you're allowed to kind of go where you want to go. You still have a preferred plot line. They were smart enough to give you a plot that you need to go basic as it is the basic idea is they keep jumping through places whether it's the beginning the past or the future or the present they go to a future that's all bombed out and shit and people wonder why they figure out that this alien monstrosity called lavos or lavos dug into the earth and then in 1999 party like it's 1999 let's blow shit up comes out of the earth and destroys it and the party knows that it can travel through time so let's go on and save it and irrespective of what would happen in chrono cross later because of their actions i'm just thinking totally from chrono trigger's perspective as this of a, of a game they do enough with the time travel mechanic that they have initiative as characters 
so that they know what they're doing. They've given you, hey, this is our big bad. Let's go fight this big bad. Along the way, you have several other minor villains or major villains that either want to summon it or want to siphon power from it and think they can control it in a way, which doesn't really work out well. This this thing is a force of nature villain. And I've said before, I'm not really a fan of two types of villains, mastermind villains and force of nature villains. Lavos is a force of nature villain. You know it's at the end. You don't really have it. I mean, you have plot twists here and there, but you don't have anything that's really stopping you from it. You know that that like early on, that's what you're doing. That's what you're fighting. And that's what you're doing. The biggest thing is going from era to era, learning things about the characters and then their surroundings and trying to fix the missions of the day so that they can work through their issues. And then about midway through the game, things start picking up and you start realizing like who Magus is and like this other part of the game. The best part of the game is the Zeo Kingdom. It's got the best music in the game, Corridors of Time. It's got the best stuff that you can imagine, the best look, the best cool idea is these people using Lavos' power and Lavos' magic to imbue their kingdom with magic to i would say subjugate others on this frozen ice age because there's like 12,000 bc and a lot of people are you know trying to make do as normal people but these floating cities and floating continents of zeal are ruled by this just crazy ass villain queen queen zeal who's just trying to become immortal basically and I will say this much, that part of the game rules. If you haven't played anything else about Chrono Trigger, I mean, if you like the rest of the stuff about Chrono Trigger, that's fine. I'm not really a fan of 2300 AD. I, I, I like prehistoric era a little bit, but again, everybody kind of has their mode or like of things. Because you have total dinosaurs fighting humans in the prehistoric era you have very basic uh middle ages or even darker ages kind of thing in 600 and 1000 ad you know medieval times kinds of things you have a destroyed future in 2300 ad which is very bleak and very depressing but it's got robots and other weird monstrosities and junks so it's kind of kind of futuristic in a way um i always thought that was kind of like not my favorite though i'm usually a sucker for futuristic looking places but i think because it's so bombed out and so distressing and so kind of it doesn't really capture my imagination like i thought it would which again is more that i've played this game over and over and i'm looking for something like the magical colors and stuff that the zeal kingdom does or going through magus's castle and fighting my way through there because that's where the urgency lies there's a big section of the game where you can fight a shit ton of side quests so after the zeal kingdom falls you can do all this other crazy shit and level your characters up from like 30 to 55, which is not mandatory, but expected. And you get a lot of good items and things. And the benefits are you get to use every character you want at your own leisure. Unless they are specifically geared to a certain part of the game. Like Ayla can help you break out of a prison here and there. Or like certain characters are 
better suited than others, like for a magic cave or something, you're not really tied to one main party. Um, I will say that for all the love that I have with the Zeal Kingdom, a lot of the game kind of drags for me, which, to be fair, it is a 15-hour game. It is a very swift experience. It is not anything that's super big or super long. But there's, uh, I'm trying to think, because the first part of the game is fine. It's setting the tone, it's setting the mood. The idea that stuff you did with Marley at the beginning of the game is being watched by the main, like the developers, and they're saying, what did you do in your first part of the game? Did you just run your way through it, or did you spend time in the fair? If you spent time in the fair, what did you do? Did you drink somebody's soda? Did you eat their lunch? Did you mess up a robot? Did you steal a pendant? Still little things like that. Did you help a kid find her kitty? You know, little things like that. They would mess with you in a later cutscene. So it's cool stuff like that where it kind of shows up as a as a neat way of making you kind of stay on your toes because you don't know what kind of things gonna happen. But there's a there's a spot and and I think it's 2300 AD and kind of right around prehistoric era i i like the prehistoric era stupid stupid uh timer um i like the prehistoric era a little bit more than the 2300 but there's also a segment where you have to climb a mountain and you find a sword and whatever you find a stupid stuff in the game kind of drags it it feels while you still have it on subsequent playthroughs and remember this is subsequent playthroughs this is not really my initial experience of the game some of that stuff is either very dour or very just kind of drab and it isn't until like prehistoric era and you meet some of the other characters or you meet even magus way later like you go to this very very cool ass dungeon in 600 AD and fight Magus. I'm not saying Magus isn't like how would I describe it? Like the allure of Magus is better than Magus he actually is. So to speak, like the fight itself is great, the music itself is amazing. It's, you know, that battle on the big bridge with with Gilgamesh kind of thing. Magus's music is fucking amazing. I'm not saying it's not. What I'm saying is it's the total package of, oh, God, I've gotten through some of the really boring segments of the game, and now things are starting to get good. Because once you get through Magus, you start going, okay, now I can go to a place called Tyranno Castle, which is an offshoot of the prehistoric era. You get the awesome song in the Tyranno there to drive you into another big freaking dungeon. But after that, you hit Zeal. And then after that, you hit the side questy bits. So that you got to kind of get through some really iffy, like middle segments of the game to get to the meat of the game, where it really starts to get good with the story. And and part of the problem that I have is that the characters in this game are not all that impressive. And I say that as a person who you know understands that's even still in. Um, even in those mid nineties, I don't think I don't think Final Fantasy was really nuanced with its characters yet. Final Fantasy six was kind of the first time I can recall them doing that. 
but this was not up to par with Final Fantasy VI in the in the character department. And I'm and I'm not saying story and characters. I'm just saying character moments. I said before the reason I put six on a pedestal is because of their character moments. Cyan and his and his situation. Celeste and Locke going back and forth as lovers. Terra, you know, has amnesiacs go. Still has this. Uh, do I feel love as a person who's been prejudiced? You know, stuff like that. You know, not everybody gets their storyline straight. God doesn't really get anything. Gogo doesn't get anything. Umaro, you know, there are characters that don't get anything. But really, outside of a scene or two, none of the characters in Chrono Trigger get much. Chrono Trigger, Chrono himself is a silent protagonist. He doesn't really do much. He's a dude with spiky-ass Dragon Ball hair with a giant freaking katana. I'm like, okay, he's a kid going to a fair, and now he's going to fight, you know, that thing. I, again, I'm saying silent protagonists are dumb because that's a blanket statement. I call him dork face on this channel for a reason. Chrono is a dork face. That's just what it is. Marley is Jasmine. Okay, she's nice and that's cool and all, but outside of a couple of segments later in the game and some of her side quests, she doesn't really do much. She's kind of bubbly and, you know, we need to get moving now, you know, but she's doesn't, she doesn't do much. Luca is kind of the same thing. She's just there. I would say the best character character wise is Frog and Magus. You know, they get the most to work with. This game is more designed as a gameplay experience than a character driven experience. And I, as I keep saying, there's a difference between experiencing it for the first time versus experiencing a game over and over and over. This is my interpretation of what the game feels like having replayed it over and over and over. And I don't feel that the characters are strong enough to counteract, you know, kind of the boring parts of the game sometimes. And it leaves me kind of in a lurch until I really get to the Zeal Kingdom where, okay, a lot of the good villains are starting to show up. A lot of the good characters are starting to show up. A lot of the nuance in this game because the Zeal Kingdom is so strong in the character department and the villain department. And I'm like, okay, I'm driven to actually experience this again. A lot of the other stuff is just, you know, whatever. Because the plot and the characters until that point aren't very strong so if you're looking for a character driven story that's not really what you're getting you're getting a basic you're getting the cool time travel effect but you're not really getting these characters are getting changed because of this no they are changing the world around them to suit the needs of the gameplay the gameplay and the music are so strong that it can kind of balance out the fact that the plot and the characters are kind of rail thin. Um, so that's where kind of my criticism lies. It's not that the game isn't impressive on a visual level or a music level. Even the fact that you have multiple endings. Like you could choose to fight Lavos right away. You don't have to. You can fight away. You can choose to fight Lavos in a new game plus. You can fight him at the beginning of the game in a different spot. You can fight him in 2300 AD or, you know, Prehistoria via a bucket that's in this place called the End of Time. So depending on what you choose, you have like 
10 to 15 different endings where I can see a different, I can find a different ending. I can find an ending where the dinosaurs rule the planet. I can find an ending where we just meet up with the creators and they talk about stuff in the game. You know, a developer room. There's other weird kind of nuances to different endings, which is neat. You get this ending where Chrono speaks, which kind of sucks because I wanted Chrono to speak the entire game, but what can you do? Um, so Chrono Trigger as a whole is one of those things that if you are looking for a game for gameplay purposes, this is one of the best you can do. If you're looking for a game, specifically an RPG, that brings you back because of the story, you might get left out in the cold depending on whether you resonate with characters going through a going through a journey or you want to go to the locales. The locales are interesting the first couple of times you do it, but after a while you start kind of picking up that the meat of the game doesn't really re resonate and really pick up until after some really boring go here do a thing segments on some mountains and stuff. Because the characters themselves are fairly basic. So if you're looking to go back and re-experience them as characters, you're not going to get a lot. So that's why I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of similar to Super Mario RPG. Though Super Mario RPG is more played for laughs and, you know, more played for the joke of, hey, haha, Bowser is a bit of a dork, you know. Um, but... I'm not going to accuse them of being strong characters either. So again, it's 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 splitting hairs. But nobody in this game is as strong a character as say a Cyan or Ed. Well, not maybe not Edgar, but Saban to an extent, or Terra and Celeste and Locke. The top five or six characters in Final Fantasy VI have way more going on with them than any of these characters do in Chrono Trigger. So in most cases, it's like saying, okay, maybe you're bringing like chrono is like edgar like stuff happens to them but they don't really change much and it just kind of happens so this is a game to experience the lore the music the visuals the pretty colors and all the fun stuff in the zeal kingdom or your preferred uh time and era, because I love the pseudo magic, you know, futurism of Zeal, but you might resonate to the future more. You might resonate to the Middle Ages more. That might be your jam, and this game has it. You might be a, a Jurassic Park or whatever, you know, a dinosaur fanatic and go nuts for that shit. Um, so if that's stuff you're looking for, this game has you covered. So you can see where. I'm trying to come from at this. I'm not saying this game is my favorite. I'm saying what this game does is fairly unique and fairly strong in its own way. It is a gameplay dream to play, even compared to some of the other games of this era. It is one of the cleanest, slickest, smoothest RPGs you'll ever play, even way back when, much less now. It is still holds up pretty well now. I just feel that as a narrative-driven person and a character journey perspective, it still leaves a little bit to be desired so that I'm not going to really put it as best game ever kind of thing. So hopefully I was able to kind of express why I felt that way, but everybody can make their own opinion. This game exists on, on uh, 
SNES, of course. It exists on DS, and it also it, it, you can also play it on Steam. I have no reason not to recommend. I have no reason not to recommend this game to everybody. I just wanted to make sure people understood that I'm not one of these blanket statement kind of people that put this as the best RPG to ever been made, because there are some severe issues that preclude it from being what I want an RPG to be. But that's just my opinion. Next week, we get into the Raven of the Inner Palace, and we do the Mega Month, Mega May, with four different games. Uh, I've also recorded a podcast about Legend of Lagaya with Lee. We did it on the cuff a couple of days ago, and it turned out to be a good idea because I've got some busy. I've got a busy schedule going for the next month or so. Uh, not so busy that I can't deal with things. It's just the, the Minnesota Wild are in the playoffs, and I don't know when games and other shifts are going to happen. So I got to be kind of on edge and watch those and make sure I'm keeping tabs with them to know which games I'm working. So I might be a little busier than I normally am. But I'm I'm happy I got this one done and I got this one out of there. I'm still keeping busy. But if you're interested in more things, feel free to keep watching this channel for the reviews or watch my stuff on the gameplay channel for new playthroughs of Persona 4 Golden and Legend of Lagaya. And hopefully you guys enjoy all of it, because I love doing all of it. But that'll do it for me. I'll see you guys next time. Citizen Strive, signing off.